Another edition of Beat the Closing Number presented by TheLines.com. You can follow us on X at the Lines US. Follow me at Eli Herskovich. Follow Mo on X at MonoR2W's Mo. I'll spare the listeners and viewers our little spiel to begin the show because first things first, how are you not on vacation right now? I don't think we're allowed to go on vacation right now, right? I don't think so either, but after winning a poker tournament like that, you may deserve it. Yeah, I don't know. I think uh I think the opposite probably. I should probably get back to work for being honest. I wasn't very All productive right. yesterday. <laughs> Fair enough. Maybe a little bit of a hangover or not. But yeah, did manage <laughs> to win an 822 entry tournament in Colorado for 155k, so People don't know what Eli is talking about. And, and so I'll tell a funny story. I already sent this to Steven, <laughs> but I get these, all these congratulation messages, right? And, and there's this like uh, thread on Facebook from the venue. It says, you know, congratulations, Mo Nuara, whatever. It has my picture. All these people from poker happy for me. They say, you know, congratulations. One random comment out of all of them. Is that Mo from the lines YouTube? How good was that? We we made it. That's when I knew we made it. You made it. You officially made it. Poker superstar over here. And Mo also had a little bit of celebrating to do with the Chiefs going to the Super Bowl once again. You know, if the Super Bowl Mo was played in January, I probably wouldn't even consider betting on the 49ers with all the success you've had this month or the last couple of months, I guess, with poker. And now... The Chiefs going back after all their offensive woes in the regular season. But I may still have to bet the Niners. We'll see. Either way, man, what was your biggest sweat during the poker tournament? Because that's what everybody wants to know. I mean, definitely was sweating the spots in the poker tournament a little harder. I will say there was one funny spot where I bluffed all in uh, covering my opponent. And he was like thinking... And I just like, I was so sure he was folding that I just started watching football. Uh, and then someone was like, he called and I'm like, what? I had to turn around, turn my cards over. Obviously lost a huge pot there. But uh, yeah, that that was pretty funny. I, I mean, I just thought the guy was putting on a show thinking for like two, three minutes. Usually people think that long. They just, you know, a lot of times they are just Hollywooding, trying to make it seem like they had a good hand, whatever. Don't want to like lose face or whatever it is, but I guess this guy actually was like considering folding and wound up calling and they shook me out of my, uh, my football reverie there. And, uh, but yeah, I think it was also funny because there was definitely some times where I was getting up celebrating and people probably thought it had to do with stuff that was happening in poker. And it definitely wasn't, I was way more excited for the chiefs than anything that was happening in the poker game because I guess just not that big of a deal until you get to the very end. So it was just whatever to me. Uh, but yeah, some when the Chiefs picked Lamar off to pretty much end it, that was like I was I was getting pretty loud in there. So in Broncos territory too, since the tournament was in Colorado, so that made it extra delicious. But I have to say, there's there's a lot of Chiefs fans there, man. I'm not that surprised just because. Denver City is such a transplant city, too, that it's just like people from everywhere there. Right. And you have people like you from Nebraska who adopt teams from Missouri. So that's not that shocking, right? Uh, 
Yeah, uh, I just thought, you know, not only is like Denver home of the Broncos, but like the Broncos are number one in Denver, you know, like I remember I worked the same event that I won when I used to work in the poker industry. I I worked at it in 2015, I think. So whenever it was, whenever the first, it was like months after the Broncos had won the Super Bowl, Um, and maybe it was 16 when I went, went as a player. Uh, but yeah, there were still Broncos banners everywhere downtown. I mean, just hanging up, uh, over the streets, players faces on them, Von Miller. It was great. But, uh, yeah, like just the, the Broncos are just, they're number one by far there. You know, I mean, obviously it's, it's a football town. It's a football country. So no surprise there. Maybe I should have moved there when I was betting the Broncos every single week at the beginning of the regular season. But, Mo, you had a good championship Sunday when it came to betting, too. We are 46-28 and on the season. I lost with the Ravens. Also lost my Ravens futures. We'll get into that in a bit. And lost Gus Edwards over rushing yards. Small bet there. But got to lament, not only with my Baltimore positioning in the futures market, and we'll be joined by Jason Weingarten, by the way, after we touch on both conference championship games and dig into the Super Bowl a bit. Very, very early preliminary thoughts on the big game. Go back to the AFC title game. Ravens had a grand total of six rushing plays with their running back. So yes, Lamar had 50 plus rushing yards. Zay Flowers had two to three carries, but a grand total of six carries with your running backs in a game that maybe they looked back at James Cook's efficiency and said, okay, Allen was the beneficiary in that regard, but 568 games this season, man, including the playoffs, the Ravens designed run rate ranked number 563 among 568 games this season. I've got to try really hard not to swear just in case anyone is listening or watching this with their kids. Likely not the case, but that was tilting. Yeah, I think it's fair to be tilted by that. I mean, I personally was, I think it's fair to say I was shocked by what the Ravens ended up doing. I mean, like we talked about in the Discord a little bit, I was skeptical of Todd Munkin's plan from square one. And this is why I wasn't that excited about your Ravens bet, which ended up being very good, obviously. But I didn't think that his plan was going to be a good fit for what they were doing or for their personnel. And it didn't look like it was for the first half of the season. And then they just, something seemed to click in the middle of the season. And they were just so good down the stretch. And uh, I was just completely ready to be like, okay, this was a bad read. And I thought for sure, like the way he wanted to play would give them a higher ceiling if, if they could. Because playing caveman ball, like we saw with the Bills, right? Like it can be good in certain matchups, but it's really hard to have consistent success against playoff level opponents like that. I mean, there's a reason the best passers keep winning the Super Bowl, right? Like every year, pretty much going back 20 years, you know, it's, it's a passing league and, and passing offense wins, you know, but I mean, you're playing right into the chief's hands when you do that. I, I know that like, I know that Lamar was great in the second half of the season passing the ball, but this Chiefs passing defense is great. And I have to say that as much love as Patrick Mahomes is getting, which rightfully so, he's been 
amazing, especially since the playoffs started. What Steve Spagnolo did was masterful in that game. I mean, he had the Ravens. He, I, I, he put the clamps on the Ravens like no other team has done. Probably since Lamar became a really good quarterback. Like, I'm trying to think of a game that was even remotely like this, and I can't do it. I mean, even the Chiefs, like, they've pretty much dominated against the Ravens. They had that one close loss, but other than that, they've done very well against them. But they're just, they're scoring, you know, they're scoring a ton of points. And this was a different, different sort of game. And uh, I just cannot ever remember somebody putting Lamar in a box like this. Uh, I guess maybe the Bills when they scored three in that one. That, that's probably the only one that, that comes to mind. Yeah. And that was the year after I think he won the MVP. So good context, but not to necessarily negate what you're saying, Munkin handed Spagnuolo the opportunity to expose Jackson in that way, and Jackson turtled and regressed past or before the way he was playing during this stretch with Munkin, and arguably before the season even began. I mean, you look back at, besides Munkin, eight penalties for 95 yards, five of them giving the Chiefs first downs, and two leading to that field goal before the half, making it a two-possession game. Keep in mind, Kansas City didn't score in the second half. And then to that point, the Ravens out getting the Chiefs 5.9 to 4.4 yards per play, losing the turnover battle 3 nothing. Zay Flowers fumbling on the goal line. Heck of a play by Snead. Negative variance going the Ravens' way. Not saying that wasn't a great play to punch the ball out. But Mahomes averaged 4.4 yards per pass attempt after the first quarter. So outside of scripted stuff, and not to take that away from Andy Reid either, but I thought McDonald did a great job, especially with the pre-snap situations and the way he was able to shift things around and run stunts. They didn't exploit that enough, and that was a credit to Reid and maybe 1% going to Matt Nagy. But the Chiefs' offense was unreal. I mean, and that play that was unscripted from Mahomes to Kelsey that got them the first down, I think on their second touchdown drive that, Pacheco cashed in. I mean, you can't you can't write that kind of script. You can't make up that kind of play. It was one that Mahomes can only make. So I'm not taking anything away from Reed, Mahomes, the Chiefs defense, but the Ravens shot themselves in the foot, man. Yeah, it was it was a shockingly poor game from the Ravens. I will say that the defense played very well at times, like you like you talked about. I mean, the tackling was incredible, basically from start to finish. I, I thought there was a couple plays that could have gone for bigger yardage, but they just swarmed and and played very well. Even even the Chiefs touchdown drives, you know, I mean, it was all just amazing execution by the Chiefs. It wasn't like the Ravens were playing bad or anything, uh, but yeah, the offense was really awful. Uh, so. Uh, that was basically what it came down to. And like you said, the turnovers and the penalties. I mean, the Chiefs just played a cleaner game. So, Steven asked me this yesterday, by the way, for those unaware. Steven, Andres, our boss and co-host with me on the Outside Shots podcast for college basketball. Also does the Megapod with Matt Brown and Adam Candy, the other Lions NFL betting podcast. But he asked me this yesterday, why I wasn't more upset about Ravens futures. And I also give you credit, by the way, just backtracking a bit for staying so even keel, at least that's what it seemed like when you were, and obviously you have to have a poker face, but you were not only dealing with a lot of money on the line, but watching your team, and I know how big of a diehard fan you are. It doesn't affect your bets, but how much you care about the Chiefs. So credit to you. But Steven asked me why I wasn't more upset about losing Ravens futures. And 
I could have made if the Ravens had won the Super Bowl, it wasn't to win the AFC. Low to mid five figures. So would have been a pretty nice payday. I don't know if I would have hedged in the Super Bowl against San Francisco. I I probably would have leaned against it. And there's the whole gambling X philosophy back and forth. Should you hedge? Should you not hedge? I am comfortable with the fact that I didn't hedge. The Ravens took the game away from themselves. I, I mean, if you had told me Baltimore fumbled on the goal line, lost the game by seven, Lamar doesn't turn the ball over twice, including an interception into triple coverage, maybe I would have been a little upset. Hindsight is twenty twenty, but he did what he has done in the past. And that's not to say that crept into my mind before the game, but it's to that point that I didn't expect it. So I can't really go back in time or even after the fact say, I, I wish I hedged on it. Would have been nice to make a little bit, but it is what it is. Ravens had a ton of chances to at least tie the game, if not win the game in regulation. But Mahomes was Mahomes when it mattered most, which ended up being in the first quarter and a half. But honestly, man, I'm curious going back in time for you because the first big futures bet that I lost was going back to Texas Tech in what, four or five years ago when they lost to Virginia in the national championship game. I had a 101 ticket on the Red Raiders. That was Chris Beard's first big breakthrough in the NCAA tournament. And they were up three with around 13 seconds left before DeAndre Hunter tied it. That was heartbreaking, A, because it was my first big futures bet. And that was like low four figures. So I'm not even saying it was for that much, but that was my first opportunity to win big. And looking back or thinking back, I don't think I hedged on it, but that was tough to swallow just because A, it was college basketball, which is my one true love. And then you're 13 seconds away from winning the national championship up three. Don't allow a three, allow a two at most. You allow a three to go into overtime and then Tony Bennett wins the national championship his first. Is, is there a futures bet that stands out for you that's that was excruciating that maybe was like your welcome to futures betting moment? Yeah, for sure. Somewhat similar story. Um, Clemson thirty three to one to win, like I don't know, maybe fifteen hundred or something. Uh, yeah, so similar kind of situation to you. You know, I had a lot less money then, so <laughs> it would have been uh, it would have been nice to win that one. But it was basically I, I just it, I can't even take any credit for it. It was basically just tailing my buddy. He really liked Clemson and was like pretty confident and and he was really dialed into college football at that time he's not as much anymore so uh i don't get as many tips from him as i used to but yeah he really liked clemson in the preseason so i tailed him on that one i think it was the first year they made the college football playoff and uh and uh yeah they ended up so they were plus seven and a half against alabama in the title game like you, I didn't hedge. Um, I still remember sweating it in the Bahamas, working at a poker tournament and drinking. Uh, just distinctly remember this. People had, I gathered, so they used to give us, they used to give some of the players like free drink tickets and what whatnot. Some of the players gave them to me because they didn't want to. And I was just sitting there the very last night. It was the very last night we were there. Uh, I just watched the game on my laptop and drank like five glasses of wine and was very <laughs> sad and wine drunk as Clemson. Almost won the game. I think they uh, they lost a close one in that one. So, uh, yeah, pretty similar to you. I would say just in regards to your hedging, though, just my kind of philosophy, which 
it sounds like you kind of followed, even if this wasn't your exact thought process is I, I don't think you should hedge when you don't like the hedge on its own as a plus EV bet. Generally, I think I saw that years ago and it makes some sense to me. So you obviously doubled down on the Ravens. You like them. So definitely you should not be hedging on the Chiefs in that case. <laughs> right. I was using the example of if I didn't bet Baltimore, but right. Exactly. If you're betting, you're not going to bet Chiefs money line and bet Ravens minus three. It's it's ridiculous. On to some quick initial Super Bowl thoughts, Mo. Chiefs 49ers. The Chiefs are back in the Super Bowl yet again. You win a monster poker tournament, and Patrick Mahomes is playing in the big game. I don't know what else to say, but God bless you. 49ers are one-and-a-half-point favorites. They opened minus two, minus two-and-a-half, bet down two, minus one initially on Sunday night, Monday morning, but back down or back up to minus one-and-a-half. Chiefs are around even money on the money line. Total anywhere between 47, 47-and-a-half. It was actually bet up from 47 to 47 and a half. And my initial thoughts on this game, Baltimore and San Francisco, even though Todd Munkin didn't utilize it, even though that's pretty surface level, San Francisco, you would expect on two weeks of prep would use that run gap scheme to their advantage. It keep in mind encompasses a lot of power and counter runs. That's what it, that scheme mainly centers around. And that's where you can exploit this Chiefs run defense, bottom 10 in a bunch of categories. I've touched on it ad nauseum in the playoffs, whether it's EPA per carry allowed or explosive carries allowed, more so to the quarterback over the last couple of weeks. Even though Purdy has shown the ability to make plays outside the pocket with his legs. But I think the biggest question for this game is do you trust? Shanahan to script a good offensive game plan, especially with the 49ers defensive regression up against one of, if not the best quarterback of all time. Yeah. I like that. You use the word trust. I have that in my notes. I think the three people I was literally just have this, the three people that maybe I trust the least in this game are all on the 49ers. <laughs> so that makes <laughs> me wonder if, Maybe the Chiefs are the side, even though my initial thoughts are kind of the markets seem like they are about where they should be. What do you make this game? Yeah, I I mean, a few weeks ago, I would have made the 49ers like three and a half point favorites probably, but at least three, right? But I, I mean, we, it has to be said that the Chiefs are playing much better in the playoffs. And I think the 49ers might be playing a bit worse. And also, we have to... Just say something definitely, I think a lot of us have been thinking when you watch some of these playoff games, it's possible the NFC just stinks and the 49ers just like ran over a pretty bad conference. So the adjustment down makes sense to me. Uh, I think the 49ers being very short favorites is fine. Like I said, list of people I have a hard time trusting here is definitely my, uh, said Mike, Kyle Shanahan. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Kyle Shanahan. Um, you can go back to the Jake Plubber era or to those 90s practice teams. I would rather not. Those were not fun days for me. Terrell Davis was maybe my most feared player as a fan. It's either him or Peyton Manning. They both just destroyed the Chiefs so many times. <laughs> um, yeah, Shanahan, Brock Purdy, and then also Jake Moody. Like, this guy's not good. I mean, when are people going to stop using draft picks on kickers? People can just find this is my 30 second rant. Harrison Butkers and Brandon Aubrey's pop up for free every year and make every 50 yard field goal. 
and people are still spending draft kicks on Jake Moody's and Anders Carlson's. These guys stink. So just nobody knows who the good kickers are going to be. It's impossible. This is like very obvious at this point, I think. Stop drafting kickers, guys. Yeah, yeah. LaFleur pretty much said after the Packers 49ers game that Carlson's toast. He couldn't even trust him in that game. Guy was awful all year. And and yeah, Moody has been pretty bad this year too. So uh, that could be an edge for the Chiefs in special teams. Um, And just Shanahan's coaching in these big games doesn't seem to be very good. Purdy keeps making mistakes. The Packers would have caught a couple of interceptions. Who knows if we're talking about a different team here. Um, Yeah, I, I just... I, if you made me bet this game, I would bet the Chiefs. I'm basically probably going to keep doing what I did last week, which is probably just bet a lot of props. Um, these major markets late in the season are very sharp, very tough to beat. Props, not so much. I did very well last week. Um, you have the Chiefs with the better coach. You have the Chiefs with the better staff. You have the Chiefs with the better quarterback. I do think Spagnolo has turned it up a notch in the playoffs. I was very unimpressed with what he did in the game I attended in Green Bay when the Chiefs that that's really the only time the Chiefs got their butts kicked all year. Like defensively, yeah. Like they actually got significantly outplayed by the Packers in that game. And I thought Spags was asleep at the wheel in that game, but you know, the, these playoff games have been tremendous. So this is going to be the most fascinating matchup of the game for sure is going to be this Chiefs defense against the Niners offense and how Spags and Shanahan um, go at each other here. This time, the Chiefs, you know, on the other side of the ball, last time also, they, they had the tools to deal with Bosa. They had the tools to deal with the 49ers pass rushers because they had elite tackles, Mitchell Schwartz and Orlando. Not so much now. Uh, so that could be magnified here. Uh, Jawan Taylor and Donovan Smith versus these 49ers rushers is also going to be an interesting pivot point where that could be a deciding factor as well. I don't think the Chiefs pass rush is going to have much to do here, which is not good. So they're going to have to bring some blitzes. Spags <laughs> is going to have to bring his best stuff. He's going to have to be in his bag because obviously nobody on this Chiefs team save Maybe Chris Jones, when he lines up on the edge, is probably capable of beating Trent Williams. Um, and then losing Charles Amenahu to torn ACL, that could be big as well. He's the Chiefs' second best lineman for sure, uh, slash pass rusher. You know, he also plays the run well in his career. So that also affects things on uh, the McCaffrey angle. Overall, I would say probably a slight. Ding to the Chiefs losing a Menahook compared to bringing back Tooney and Willie Gay. Tooney's replacement did well. I thought he might. Allegretti, you know, he has been good in the past. Got to believe he's back here, though. That that could help the Chiefs. But losing a Menahook is big. And I don't know, man. Just the 49ers having two just like eh playoff performances here. You know, they just, they just didn't look really all that good against the Lions or the Packers. So that makes me a little bit worried from their end. We'll continue to dig into this matchup much, much, much deeper on next week's episode of Beat the Closing Number. That'll be out on Tuesday on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, wherever you find your favorite podcast. By the way, if you're making any bets on the big game, be sure to use promo code THELINES. This podcast always sponsored proudly by BetMGM. Use the lines one word on BetMGM Sportsbook. First-time users get up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if their first bet loses. Remember that bonus bets are not equivalent to real money. 
Really quickly on props, Mo. Clear number one receivers against the Chiefs this year. Stephon Diggs, three catches for 21 yards, four catches for 24. Justin Jefferson, three for 28. DJ Moore, three for 41. Granted, that was against the Lowly Bears in week three or very early in the year. Jamar Chase, three for 41. Tyree Kill, eight for 62, five for 62. Devontae Adams, five for 73. Amon Ross St. Brown, six for 71. Fringe receiver once. Josh Palmer, five for 133. Zay Flowers, 5 for 115. Christian Kirk, 11 for 110. You get the angle I'm going with. If you look at props for the 49ers, if you had to make a gut decision right now, Debo Samuel, over or under 56 and a half receiving yards. Brandon Ayuk, over or under 63 and a half. Who would you go with? I think if I, the guy I thought would have a better game would probably be Debo. Um, just because the catch point seems to be where the Chiefs win a lot against these guys, slash not even letting them get open, whereas Debo gets some value out of obviously run after the catch and scripted stuff, more so than Ayuk does. So that's what I would think. I would think Ayuk would be the guy who would get the clamps in this one. That said, the Chiefs tackling in the secondary can be very, very good at times. McDuffie is a monster in that sense, and Snead is also very good. So I don't think he's going to like have a field day or anything, but would expect him to have a better game than Ayuk. Now we'll bring it on as promised. Jason Weingarten, you can follow him on X at Spreadopedia, pro sports better and contributor to VSIN, among other sports betting networks. What's going on today, Jason? Not much. How's it going? Just, uh, Recovering from the championship weekend, had those those two games, kind of you know last last chance to get a doubleheader in, and now it's nice. I, I really enjoy this week because there's a lot less going on. I don't bet basketball every day, so I get get some peace and quiet, and you know it's 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 fun. I really enjoy January and the nice little kind of you know lull before baseball starts. Yeah, you're a big baseball better, and we'll backtrack to MLB futures to wrap up the podcast, but. Looking back at Chiefs-Ravens, you had a bunch of tweets, X's, whatever you want to call them, on Sunday. Pros versus Joes, because we heard that a lot through the week when it came to the Ravens-Chiefs betting handle. So would you mind disparaging that notion for the average listener or viewer that actually thinks that's real when it comes to A, betting handle, and B, specifically, Ravens versus Chiefs in the AFC Championship? Well, I was I was mostly speaking on my own behalf of the pros versus Joe's thing because I bet Kansas City early in the week, you know, Sunday night or Monday even, um, and and the line just went against me, and I kind of just shrugged my shoulders and was like, all right, I'm I'm stuck with a bad position, you know, my options, I guess, I can try to buy out with the Ravens and, and guarantee I lose money, <laughs> or I could just sit on it and you know be happy that I still have Patrick Mahomes and. You know, the game still has to be played and all that. And I know there were all the injuries and everything very much did line up on the Ravens being the right side and the market kept moving. And, you know, if 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 you didn't lay the Ravens at three or three and a half, I don't know if necessarily you needed to run out and lay four, four and a half, especially when it got up to five. It's like, I don't know what you're doing. But the market was all one way uh, Ravens money and everyone just kind of ran with that narrative that. The Ravens were the better team and they were going to win and it was at home and their defense is unstoppable. And I just kept thinking, well, you know, you still got to play the game. And, 
you, you give me Patrick Mahomes as a dog, I'm going to take Patrick Mahomes as a dog. It's not the, the most insightful handicap, but, you know, give me Mahomes as a dog. It's setting up. We're going to get that for the third time this playoff coming up. Yeah, you don't got to tell me. Um, <laughs> I mean, I I was a little bit worried about the Chiefs, but, uh, yeah, I'm glad your, your side came home there. Um, switching gears to the NFC, Obviously, there's been a lot of discourse around Dan Campbell, what what have you, everything that happened in that game, the collapse, the fourth down decisions. Um, how did you see all that situation playing out? And then the discourse afterward, uh, what was your viewpoint on all that? I bet on the Lions. I had Lions money line. I had the Lions money line parlayed with the Chiefs money line. So I was feeling really good. And then I was not feeling really good about eight minutes into the the third quarter but i feel like i was kind of entirely predictable just just from from the lions being the lions um i convinced myself they were going to win at halftime i thought you know that the lions were probably gonna it, it might have gotten closer but but i thought the lions were going to pull it out and i think the the fourth down stuff obviously has been discussed at at, at length by everybody at this point the the only things i can really add to to the Dan Campbell stuff is, you know, if if that's what got you here all season to deviate from it now is uh, not not the way to do things. Number one, number two, I think the the biggest critical mistake was the the timeout going from three timeouts to two timeouts. That basically ended the game right there. You know, it took it down to all you could do is get back an onside kick and. That that was the whole yeah that was a strategic blunder the the going for it on fourth didn't really bother me the reality is the the 49ers just made those plays and got lucky a couple spots um, but the other thing um, you know I think a lot of times people kind of gloss over these things just it looked to me like the Lions were gassed at the end of the game they just it's a physical game and football's tough and the way you win football games is you get the other guy gassed and tired. You beat him in the fourth quarter when he's not going to fight back. And that's basically what happened. The Lions came out. They punched the 49ers in the nose a couple times. And the 49ers, you know, took it and got got back on their feet. And, you know, at the end, the Lions just didn't have the stamina to, to run it out. And it sucks, you know. I saw Campbell say, uh, you know, look, next year we got a target on our back. We're not, you know, just not coming back and the guaranteed thing. It's true. This was this was their shot and it, it really frustrated. It's got to be really bummer for them because, you know, they did blow it in, in that sense. Mo could maybe take the Ben Johnson angle since he's surprisingly some breaking news on the podcast. Going to be back as the Lions offensive coordinator, not taking a head coaching job. But since you had Chiefs Lions money line parlay, did you consider hedging at halftime when the 49ers were around a touchdown dog? Did you hedge? No, not only did I not consider hedging, I uh, I bet more on the Lions money line. I took I took a dog uh, dog under money line parlay on the Lions, which you know was just more fuel to the fire at that point. So no, I, I didn't think about hedging. I thought I was hoping that that the Lions came out and kept punching him in the mouth, and and that that just absolutely didn't happen. And and the the unfortunate thing too is the second half market. The Lions were like three to one, two ninety, closed like two forty. So money was coming in on the Lions in the second half too. I was I was feeling pretty good about that. And yeah, it's just the way it works sometimes. I'm not I'm not really upset about losing that game. You know, like I said, it was somewhat just like predictable. For the Lions, but the, the only thing, if they had not covered the seven, 
I might, my hair might be a little more gray today. You know, that was, that was when they, when they, not only they took the lead, but they started covering. I was like, are you kidding me? That's, that's just not fair. Yeah, that was wild for sure. When they were not covering the number, I was starting to feel very bad for Lions backers looking ahead to next year on the Lions with Ben Johnson returning. How much does that move the needle for you on future stuff? Like, are you thinking the Lions are still the team to beat in the North? Obviously, there's going to be a lot of interest in the Packers with how well uh, Jordan Love played in the playoffs and whatnot. I'm a Packers fan. So, I mean, I'm, I'm biased here. Packers are, to me, still probably better than the Lions. I mean, when you start looking at, at the foundation of the team, would you rather have Goff on a $50 million contract or Jordan Love on a, a rookie deal and build your team around that? And especially when you look at the Packers wide receivers and what their, their skill position players are making and what the, the Packers have in draft capital this year, um, I'd probably be looking at the Packers. But again, I'm a Packers fan, so any any time on any show you go on and ask me who's going to win the NFC North next year, I'm going to say the Green Bay Packers. And in my mind, I wake up every Sunday morning and Green Bay is going to win every week, you know? Like it's part <laughs> of being a fan is you just you, you assume your team's always going to win. Well, especially and, when you're a Packers and Chiefs fan. Yeah, but I mean that's the thing is like like I don't know how it is like for the teams you guys root for, but like every Sunday, I mean, Packers are going to win this week. You, I, not as a better, just as a fan. Like, you know, it's your mindset. You just think your team's always going to win, and then they don't. And you're like, oh, it sucks. They didn't win, but next week, yeah, they're going to win. Packers are always going to win the Super Bowl in my mind. They're the best team ever. Well, Moez rooting for Patrick Mahomes on his side, so I think he wakes up even more optimistic than you. Maybe going back to the Aaron Rodgers days. Maybe not so much this season and no more Joe Barry next year. So you may be feeling even more optimistic on Packers game days. But on the flip side of that, I had Ravens futures lost that going back to my 25 to one bet in May. Mo and I reminisced about some futures bad beats we had. I had Texas Tech in the national title game against Virginia around 100 to one. Not a massive wouldn't have been a massive moneymaker for me. That was when I was betting less, whatever, five, six, seven years ago. But is there a futures bet that comes to mind for you that was a bad beat or just really tough to swallow? Like a bad beat recently, I'm trying to think of football. Or any sport. Um, I mean, I'm still I'm still kind of annoyed that Wander Franco didn't win the rookie of the year over Randy Rose because he had such a good rookie season. Um, just like contextually at the time, um, you know, but I, like, I wasn't that, that was just cause it was like to win like 200,000 bucks or something. So that was, that was kind of annoying. And then I really think last year, um, the offensive rookie of the year, Garrett Wilson is like the least deserving offensive rookie of the year or any award, honestly, that I could really think of. He literally scored four touchdowns all season and those four touchdowns came across two games. So he had two games where he scored two touchdowns and then, you know, 15 other games where he didn't score at all. And like, even when you adjust for Zach Wilson and the crappiness of the, the quarterbacks he was playing with, that's just such an undeserving contribution to an offensive rookie of the year. Like I didn't even have the Purdy. There were dudes who had Purdy like a hundred to one or 500 to one, some huge numbers. Like in my mind, there's no way you, you should have, voted Garrett Wilson in his four touchdowns that that offensive rookie of the year. So like stuff like that kind of kind of annoys me, but I've had enough futures wins that I don't 
really get upset about the the unfair losses because it sometimes it breaks your way, sometimes it doesn't, you know. But I've had I've had several that I said, I, you know, in my mind, like, well, that guy should have won. But who I don't know what the voters were thinking. Yeah, that can be half the battle is getting in the minds of the voters and out of your own mind sometimes with with these markets. Um, when looking at the Super Bowl, obviously everyone's going to be interested. Everybody wants to have a bet. Eli and I already discussed this. Maybe we're not super interested in the major markets. Maybe Eli's thinking 49ers. I don't know. But are there any initial thoughts you have either on major markets or, you know, Super Bowl MVP, a prop you're looking at, anything like that? Well, my first thought, you know, I'll tell you my first two thoughts when I see I see the Chiefs open minus two. I'm like, hey, Patrick Mahomes is a dog again. Great, you know. And then my second thought is I'm gonna open a I'm gonna open a teaser, tease the Chiefs to eight and leave it open till the Hall of Fame game in uh in August. I, I've done that actually several times. You just carry over the Super Bowl teaser for, for seven months or whatever. <laughs> um but yeah, besides that, I mean the nice thing about the Super Bowl is unless you're dead hundred percent, you know, set on betting the opener for whatever amount of money you want. You got two weeks to to walk into this game any any way you want. You know, it's the Lions not you're not gonna wake up and you know, barring Patrick Mahomes slipping in the shower or something, like the number's not changing, you know, much in the next couple of weeks. Might go half point here or there, or whatever, but we're not gonna see, you know, crazy moves. So you have all the time in the world to kind of dissect this game and decide how you want to approach it. Um, like I said, just my initial thought is Chiefs. Then I kind of dive a little deeper and I think about the MVP stuff and it's like, well, Mahomes is obviously the favorite, but no quarterbacks ever won three straight Super Bowl MVPs. Um, obviously, Mahomes is a trend breaker, so it wouldn't be surprising. And people are, well, what about Travis Kelsey? Kelsey's got to be a great bet, right? NFL wants him to win. It'll be on TV. That's that's the whole thing, right? No tight ends ever won the the NFL or the Super Bowl MVP, which again doesn't mean no tight end can win it you know it's, it's never happened never happened doesn't mean can't but so i start kind of looking at a lot of those things and then i i always want to get into the defensive players for for mvp because you know always opportunity to make game changing play two game changing plays a sack fumble defensive touchdown gets you in the conversation um i like the long shots i like the unconventional stuff i don't really like the the novelty props anymore i think you know, for fun, you know, 25 bucks, 50 bucks here or there, but you're not going to be able to get 500 bucks pop down on, on the anthem over under on, <laughs> on early numbers anymore. That's, that stuff's just kind of come and gone. So, um, I don't know. I mean, focusing on the game, I think, I think there'll be plenty of opportunities to, to find cool things to bet. But the more I dissect this game, and like I said, I love the whole Mahomes getting the Chiefs as a dog. I'm not running out and betting it this week right now. I'm I'm very hesitant to get involved in this game early, knowing I have almost two weeks to build a Chiefs position however I want. Yeah, and you have voters thinking back and forth even before the game kicks off. You brought up the point that a tight end has never won an MVP. Has a tight end ever dated a pop star like Taylor Swift? It doesn't mean it can't happen. It just means no tight end has had a good enough Super Bowl to to really uh, to move the needle. You're right. We'll see if Kelsey does it. And I will 
have to turn off the TV unless I somehow bet Kelsey to an MVP, which I don't think will happen. But then Taylor Swift will be all over the screen and probably all over our screens for the next. If I had to guess, if I had to guess like a week and a half from now, when, when books are tweeting out, you know, here are our top five most bet positions. It's going to be Kelsey MVP, Kelsey yeah. yards receiving's over, Kelsey to score a touchdown. You know, every Kelsey prop will not be able to be lined high enough, which honestly, the, the value will probably be taking Kelsey unders, you know, right at kickoff or late in the week when all the stuff gets pushed up. I'm sure there will be a ton of value, you know, Kelsey, no touchdown, Kelsey under six and a half receptions, whatever. Um, stuff like that probably is the sharp way to go late in the week. But um, I'm guessing if you ask any book next week, those are all going to be just their biggest liabilities. Yeah, this is something Mo and I discussed before you came on off air, Jason, with Brandon Ayuk, apples and oranges. But just in terms of betting an under when a uh, market gets steamed up to maybe a little bit at its peak market value, Ayuk's receiving yards prop opened around 70, I think, ahead of the NFC Championship game, closed in the 80 range, and he finished with 68 receiving yards and probably shouldn't have even had that much if the deflection didn't go off of Vildor's helmet and into Ayuk's hands miraculously. So to your point, there can be value on unders. And wrapping it up, circling back to something we alluded to in the beginning, you're a big-time MLB futures better. One futures bet I've made, the only futures bet I've made so far, is Reds to win the NL Central at plus 450. So, A, I want your thoughts on that. B, any baseball nuggets, any potential futures looks you can give to our listeners and viewers. So, I have not started betting futures yet. I, I usually start a week or so after the Super Bowl. Um, the markets keep opening up earlier and earlier and, and are, are more competitive um, you know, as, as the, the legal states kind of open up, like I said earlier and earlier every year. Uh, so no, I don't, I don't really have any, any like team futures or anything yet. I, I, there's stuff I'm like keeping an eye on, like, like the, the Red Sox, for example, hired Kyle Bodie from driveline to be an assistant or like a advisor to the GM. And those are kind of moves like you don't, those don't pay immediate dividends, but I like to look at what teams are doing kind of long-term and structurally and who they're hiring. So um, I always got my eye on kind of what's going on behind the scenes. Um, I was really big on the Marlins under last year and they were, they, they killed me. They had like a, I don't remember what the numbers were, but their record in one run games was absurd. Like they had such a lucky season, like everything, the, the third order effect sort of stuff all was like, Oh no, they should have like 10, 12 more losses, whatever. Um, so I got screwed there last year. I'm, I'm already anticipating I'm going to double back on a Marlins under this year. Um, we'll see if, if, you know, I, 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 I'm not hundred percent there, but I, I can already see myself kind of going back to, to that one for some more, some more pain. And then, uh, I'll give you one little thought I've, I've had so far. Um, I was looking at the NL rookie of the year market and the Dodgers, uh, pitcher from Japan, Yamamoto is, uh, kind of one of the favorites like two to one i think the other japanese pitcher the one that signed with the cubs whose whose name i'm not remembering off the top of my head right now do you, Shota you guys know imanaga. imanaga i think he's actually a better bet if you wanted to take one of the 
the Japanese players coming in and getting rookie of the year. Um, I don't think Yamamoto is a good bet at like two to one or three to one. Um, Imanaga is a much higher price and he's going to get similar innings and similar exposure pitching for the Cubs. So um, I do have my eye on that. You know, other, other things. I mean, obviously the Dodgers are just going to be a monster this year, one way or the other. And everyone makes fun of them. Oh, you lost in this round of the playoffs. <laughs> you haven't won anything, but that's whatever there. This is, this is, this time it's different. Um, at least I'm, I'm convincing myself. Remember, I'm not a Dodgers fan either. So, um, this isn't me trying to. I thought you were a Dodgers, the Dodgers fan. really. What? No, I mean, I go to Dodger games. Like they're my local team. I live down the street from the stadium. Mm. Uh, but like, as, as in terms of like a fan, like, do I get upset when they lose the world series? Like, not really. Like I can go to sleep at night when they lose. Um, my relationship with baseball is kind of weird. Cause like, I love baseball, but like you, you can't spend this much time around baseball and just kind of not, not like, not such a bitterness, but like, there's so much base, like, like baseball agents, players, teams. It's all like, I just don't care. I don't care who wins. I, I just want to bet on baseball. It's all, it's all numbers to me. Um, baseball as a sport is just like, it's, it's, I don't know. It's, I really like the numbers aspect of baseball more than the following baseball day to day at this point. So, yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to the season, but I, I still have a lot of work to do to kind of catch up. Your Reds bet is good, though. Obviously, the Reds Reds are an up-and-coming team. They're investing in, in all the right places. But, you know, it's, it's still baseball. It's, there's no guarantees. Even even the Dodgers go out and spend all this money. There's no guarantees they're going to do anything. <laughs> yeah, you and Mo are on the same a little bit. I mean, Mo's a Braves fan, so you guys have had some heartbreak. Can't get past the Phillies on – his side of things. Mo, are you optimistic? Very early, but. Yeah, I, I think you have to be. I mean, I, I, this might be the Braves last chance to have like a super team like this, because I think from the sound of things, Max Fried is going to be gone after this year. And he's, I have him like in the top five of pitchers, basically. I mean, he's just so good. And Obviously, Spencer Strider is great. So the Braves still have a great roster from top to bottom. Um, do you think the Braves or the Dodgers are the better team, Jason? I mean, the Dodgers rotation, I probably give a little bit of an edge to the Dodgers based on rotation. And at full health, having Otani obviously is going to gonna move the needle as well. But... The reality is the Braves, you know, they've, they've won a world series more recently. They have the most recent MVP. Um, the team is very well built. It's got a very well stocked farm system. If, if the Dodgers aren't coming out of the national league, then you're probably looking at, at the Braves. If the Dodgers and the Braves aren't coming out of the national league, something crazy has definitely happened because, you know, these are by far head and shoulders, the, the two top teams in the national league. Like there's nothing, you know, it's, that's the thing. It's like, you know, you talk about how great the Dodgers are or whatever. There's nothing wrong with the Braves. Braves are absolutely on the same level. They've put together a, a great team and, you know, I'm, I'm excited for baseball season. Um, it's always, always fun when football ends and you get ready and you start kind of looking at fantasy baseball and regular baseball and all the props and futures. And there's always tons of stuff to bet on, but, 
Um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for the season. I, I don't think I don't think anything's ever guaranteed, but like I said, head and shoulders above everybody else is the Braves and Dodgers. Well, if you're looking for a league, we may be starting one up over at thelines.com, so we'll keep you posted. I'm not sure what kind of stakes you play. Mo, I mean, Mo just won a, I don't want to give away the exact amount, even though it's on X, but he plays pretty high-stake poker. So we'll see how high we decide to go with this fantasy baseball league and if you're interested. But like you said, plenty of time to dig into MLB Futures betting and Super Bowl betting over the next couple of weeks. Really, really appreciate the time, Jason. A lot of great insight for our listeners and viewers over two big sports, especially with people getting ready to bet on baseball over these next couple of months. So really appreciate the time, man. No problem. Thanks for having me. Excited to uh, get Super Bowl props and everything going. It's uh, it's always fun to kind of dive into the, you get the one game, you know, you can only focus on one game for two weeks. It's, you know, it's the only thing to think about and golf, I guess. <laughs> That's true. We'll leave that to Steven Andres over at the lines, but appreciate it, Jason. Really fun Super Bowl and MLB Futures conversation with Jason. And Mo, just kind of backtrack to something we were talking about in the beginning. Obviously, it's been a huge topic on the Today Show, your big poker winning tournament over the weekend. And as it should be, I had a tweet earlier today joking around. Let's see here. Just pulling it up here on the fly. Unless my phone internet crashes. If you lost money on the Ravens, a little hand-waving emoji because I did as you all well know, please send a Venmo request to my podcast co-host at Mo Nawara. So Mo, you can tell the audience what happened after that. <laughs> um, let me see. Pulling up my Venmo now. <laughs> I did get a request from someone as I woke up this morning and I was like, who is this? Why does it say Ravens requesting $115? Somebody called Mike Tetty. So, Mike, I'm not going to send you $115, <laughs> but I will buy you a beer if you ever find me. That goes for any podcast listener. You guys like the show? Find me anytime I'm in your city, playing poker, traveling, whatever I'm doing. I'll buy you a beer. Yeah, that goes for me, too. We'll see how what the number gets up to, but we've done, and I've done that before with whether it's various podcast listeners on X giveaways like that. Maybe we'll do something for the Super Bowl next week. Maybe it sparked an idea for us to think about over the next week, some sort of giveaway for our audience this season. But really fun edition of Beat the Closing Number. We hope you all enjoyed it. Remember that. You are not allowed to send Venmo requests, real Venmo requests to Mo over the next week and a half. And if you're interested in betting, tailing, fading our Super Bowl bets up until the big game, you could do so over at BetMGM Sportsbook. We're probably sponsored by BetMGM. And first-time users get up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if your first bet loses with promo code the lines one word. Remember that bonus bets are not equivalent to real money. And as always, terms and conditions apply. Mo, any last words before we get out of here? Just that I felt like 1% sad when the Chiefs won, only for your futures bet, because it was a good bet. The fact that I got a text from you during your poker tournament said a lot. I didn't know that your poker tournament was that late at night, so appreciate it. I was thinking of you, buddy. Like you said, we've all had big futures that lost. I guess just to add to that, one more that was painful. I think they were still called the Indians. Cleveland Indians in uh, 
when they lost to the Cubs. I had them like 18 to one or something that year. And, uh, obviously they, they blew that series. Uh, I think they were up three, one. I don't, I don't remember, but yeah, that, that, that hurt, but hell of a game seven though. Can't, can't, can't deny that. I wish I'm not even a Cubs fan. I'm a White Sox fan kind of in my past at this point, but the, any sort of fandom I have left is probably directed towards the White Sox. I still wish I knew you back then because being in Chicago, I was working at Chicago sports radio. I mean, that was wild. First championship in 108 years goes without saying, but the speech in the clubhouse who gave that speech for the Cubs. I don't even know. If Jason you know Hayward, that. former Jason brave. Hayward. Okay. Oh, that's why you know that <laughs> because he's a former Atlanta Brave. Fair enough. But yeah, I can't imagine being a Guardian's futures better at that point. What was estimated total of winnings if Cleveland had won it all that year for you? Like low five figures kind of thing? No, definitely in the four figures. Don't exactly remember. It was, I mean, it's been like, man, so long at this point, almost 10 years now. Um, yeah, that one also did not hedge. So. Couple of the most painful ones were were did not hedges, but 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 did not hedge paid off uh, last year with the Chiefs, so that was nice. Uh, although I have to say, we did have to get the rally whiskey out at halftime. <laughs> did you even consider hedging? By the way, up three to one in the series against the Cubs. Not really. I felt pretty good, but then once it was going to Game Seven, I I didn't feel that great. I don't know if it's just me being superstitious about feeling like I was always unlucky in these spots, or also knowing Cleveland's history in these spots. I, I mean, they blew that one series to Boston up three, one. I mean, it's just a couple painful ones for them. Hopefully we won't have any painful Super Bowl bats, any bad beats like, uh, what was it? Patrick Mahomes under rushing yards going back to a few Super Bowls ago. I think that was the first one between chiefs 49ers, right? It was. Well, hopefully nothing like that comes our way. In a week and a half or so. But for Monoir, you can follow him on X at Monoir2W's. No Venmo requests during this stretch before our next podcast. You can follow me at Eli Herskovich at the Lions US. Thanks for watching and listening to another edition of Beat the Closing Number. You could get all of our free contests and win Amazon gift cards over at play.thelines.com as well. Get all of our bets in real time in the Discord channel over at thelines.com in the top right hand corner. If we fire any Super Bowl bets before next Tuesday's podcast. So thanks for watching and listening. So long, everybody.